Good morning, sir. Well, good morning, Ben. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Long time no talk. I know. First time this year. Yeah, I know. It is 2020 is upon us. It is. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling pretty good right now, actually. Um, so I just got back from a five-day trip up to the North Shore, spent some time in the cabin, got some good thinking time in, some good like time away from work. And yeah, I'm proud of myself for showing some restraint. At least the last couple of days, I really didn't touch the laptop at all. So feeling accomplished nice. about that. Yeah. That's cool. Do you feel calmer? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I forget. Is this your cabin? No, it's just, it's one that I've been to now probably five times that we just found through a vacation rental thing. And it's just like, it feels like our home away from home up here because <laughs> it's just such a, such a nice place to And then when you away. don't need it, it disappears. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I was telling you before the call, I didn't have any coffee yesterday and I haven't had any today. You tyrant. I want to hear I <laughs> what is causing you to make such a decision. Um... <laughs> So first off, it's not exactly a decision yet. I'm just kind of like experimenting with it and seeing how it works. Yeah. Uh, I do miss it. I love coffee, or at least I love how it tastes and the experience of it. I have not fallen out of love with coffee, but I have noticed recently, one, I'm more sensitive to the acidity of it Mm, than I used to be. Like I Mm -hmm. used to never have any stomach response to coffee, and now I definitely can feel it. It feels like my stomach. And and I've also started skipping breakfast more often because I'm kind of leaning into like the intermittent fasting thing. And so I'm, I have coffee on an empty stomach more than I used to. And it kind of is pretty rough. I like like super dark roast coffee and it's like really acidic and really dark. And it's, uh, I pay the price a little bit. Mm-hmm. I've heard of people doing intermittent fasting and say they only drink coffee in the morning. And I, I never knew how that really worked because <laughs> yeah, acidity is real. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's part of it. And the other part is just that I have definitely noticed, like, especially if I have a second cup of coffee. Uh, my anxiety levels are just so much easier to spike up based on response to something. It's happened enough times that I'm like, I can totally see the the trend. Like it's it's it makes me more likely to actually get anxious about a thing that I experience. I think, and I just have this sense of like, why am I so rushed and upset about this thing? And I'm like, oh yeah, because I did this drug that makes that way more likely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have actually maintained my sensitivity to caffeine, which I think I feel like is a good thing. I know a lot of people who probably have some degree of caffeine dependency where they have to drink five cups in order for it to have any effect. And while I was up at the cabin, I was just brewing like pour over coffee all day long. And I did reach, I reached one point, I was just sitting there sipping coffee and sitting by the fire and realized like, uh oh, I just crested over the edge and like, I just started tremoring. And like, so I haven't really scienced it too much, but definitely having like one cappuccino in the morning and I don't brew them extremely strong, you know, and then like trying not to do multiple cups is good for me because otherwise, yeah, I do start to notice like I'm just, I'm more on edge about everything and it's no good. Yeah. And it, it makes me sad because I really love everything else about it. And so maybe I'll like try to figure out what the variables I can tweak are to like come up with a happy medium. But for now, I've just been, I've been trying like to do black tea instead. Uh, and we'll, we'll see because it has less caffeine and is less acidic, but still not zero caffeine. And I don't like it as much. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's yeah. just, I'm not excited to make a cup of tea. <laughs> I'm very excited to make a cup of coffee. We are very American and alas, we are not British. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. I, I think this kind of, in a sense, has all the hallmarks of like a, a thing that will stop. Like it's not like a clear goal. I don't have accountability, blah, blah, blah. So 
I suspect it won't last forever, but no, I'm, I'm, I'm trying it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Good to experiment. Yeah. Why not? So 2020 is here. Things are happening. One of my goals for today is to get a survey out to our customers to sort of get their thoughts on like big next features, like roadmap stuff for the coming year. We spent a lot of time yesterday talking about potential things to do, uh, like big picture items. And I want to get you know the voice of the customers in there too, because we have our own thoughts, but you know, kind of who cares in a certain sense. So yeah, we're actually going away next week. So we have like a bunch, we're going to go skiing together, tuple ski trip. Uh, so we're going to have a lot of time to talk about stuff. So I want to have some data in hand and we'll sort of guide the discussions going forward. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Have you considered employing like a deliberate like jobs to be done type of framework for tuple product roadmap uh, stuff not really no yeah what, I was, what would that look like i don't know i i just i have like the the main book on it on my reading list and i haven't i haven't read it yet but i've been hearing i've heard it come up in a few podcasts lately and it sounds to me like something that could be a good exercise for tuple because i've also heard other people talking about tuple in different forums on Twitter and, and podcasts and stuff talking about how like, oh, yeah, I use it to as a replacement for a Slack call or as a replacement for, you know, a Telegram chat or something. And like, it's just getting me thinking, like, I wonder if people are starting to use the product for things that are different than what uh, your guys' core assumptions are. And like, that's not allowed. It's in our terms of service. <laughs> yeah. You should, use it for you should ban those people. <laughs> the wrong people are buying our product. Yeah. Yeah. But um, it just seems like that could be, I don't know, that could yield some insights if you just start digging into like what, you know, the people who love the product the most, how are they actually, how are they using it? And you might be surprised by what you find. That's a good idea. I think that that probably is a thread we should pull to some extent. I'm wary of that because like the, to me, the niching and the positioning helps us in a lot of ways. And to lean into us becoming a more generic tool worries me. And like, it feels like a thing that like maybe could certainly could eventually happen, but it doesn't feel like it should happen now. Uh, but I mean, hearing about it from customers would be fine. Like, it doesn't mean we have to adopt that, but it would be, it might be, you're right. There, there's probably some interesting reality out there that we're not aware of. Right. That's a, a careful balance, right? In product development, it's like, how closely do you align to your, your current positioning and your vision for where to take it? And how much do you listen to? kind of solve from the other direction and like how are people using it and what are people what's attracting people to it and how did they hope to see it expanded and like when the two diverge what do you do and i don't know that's like there's not a correct answer to that uh, mm -hmm. that's pretty interesting yeah, that's where you make the big bucks exactly yep making good decisions mm -hmm. yeah so i sort of know what jobs to be done is and means but like only by like osmosis from hearing other people talk about it yeah at the core it's like um, there's that kind of famous video of the the dude. I should get his name. What's his name? Um, Clay Christensen. Yeah, Clay Christensen, right? Talking about the milkshake, right? And like figuring out like he can tell much better than I can. It's There's a video out there about it. But basically the, the gist is that they did this exercise of trying to figure out how to boost milkshake sales for McDonald's or someone like that. And they were like trying to figure out, should we make it sweeter? Should we make it less sweet? Should we make it thicker? Like what what properties should we change about it? And just asking people what things would you like to see done differently with the milkshake 
they took that kind of feedback in and started tweaking it and it didn't have any impact on sales until they started observing like what's causing people to buy milkshakes and who are the people who are the most frequent customers of them and they found that like oh they're buying it in the morning before 8 a.m and so then they just started standing at a door and asking people like why are you buying milkshake right now? What job are you hiring this milkshake to do for you? At first, people were kind of confused, didn't know how to really answer the question, but then they started teasing out insights. Like people are saying, well, I want, I'm on my commute and I want to have something that I can just sip on that'll last a long time and will fill me up. They kind of unearthed some insights about like, okay, the, the people are using this to be satiated and just to have something to do. And like, they could hire a Snickers bar to do this or a donut to do this, but donuts are messy and Snickers bars are, you, you feel like you're eating candy, right? It's positioned as candy and not like a snack or something. And so they unearthed a bunch of insights just by like kind of reframing the question a little bit differently. Um, totally. Side note, this makes me kind of sad for people. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I was reading this and I was like, oh, they had quotes from customers and they're like, I really don't care what's in this thing. It's just making me feel full through the morning. And I'm like, oh, you're drinking ice cream. <laughs> this is terrible. It is crazy. But yeah. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll do some research on like jobs to be done style questions and see if I can get a couple of them in there. Yeah. yeah. That might be a good way to do That'd it. Be interesting. Mm-hmm. I've never run a survey to customers and not found it interesting. It's like so it's like the data you get back is just like I find so fascinating. I'm having fun doing sales lately. Are you? Nice. Yeah, it's, I'm kind of enjoying it. It's interesting. I'm starting to appreciate it as its uh, as its own skill set. Uh, it's like I'm starting to get a little bit better at it, and I've been going into it um, a lot of these conversations with a mindset. And I'll actually explicitly say to people like, "I'm pretty new to this. I'm like a developer turned someone doing this. Could you just tell me how this usually works? Like, what do most people do with you, and how does it like w- what's normally involved? And just like treating it almost like a research thing." And like a, a sales process as kind of like an afterthought in a certain sense. That has been helpful. Like people have been like responded well to that. Uh, and just been like, we usually do deals about this size for the first one. And we usually prefer when it looks like this. And these kind of terms happen, like it usually takes this long and legal. And just kind of getting a sense of how these things happen has been really useful. And I'm starting to learn like some tactics that kind of work. I'm starting to like speak about things in a way that makes sense to people and like that they're like expecting it, which is is nice. Yeah. I, I imagine that lends you a certain amount of authenticity too, and kind of puts everyone at ease when you're like, all right, I'm not coming in here as a savvy operator, like ready to manipulate you. <laughs> I'm genuinely like, I'm a developer. I'm a nerd. Here we are in a sales type arrangement. And like, how do you think I should do this? Uh, totally. Seems I even asked one person where we were working kind of a smaller thing. I was like, so I'm less interested in optimizing for like the most dollars and more interested in like getting this thing done. So like, is there a number that you think is like not going to make people question it that just sort of feels about right to you? And she's like, how about this? And I was like, sure, that sounds good. <laughs> it's just like, just, it's, it's, it's like, you know, kind of research. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's fun to be tackling a new thing and trying to get better at it. Like that's like, that's my favorite thing anyway. So yeah, yeah. And this one uh, is like a... a thing that pops out money at the other end mm-hmm. so that's, that's pretty cool <laughs> not a bad skill to learn <laughs> yeah it's like you could go learn to be better at board games but uh right. yeah so yeah but it's funny to see people talking to me like a salesperson like this guy the other day said we were negotiating and he like came back with like a lower number he said if we do this i can get you a po this week so you can book it towards this year's numbers <laughs> <laughs> you know you want to have a good q4 
That's right. And I was like, oh man, that is so not motivating. (laughs) If only you knew how little motivation that gave me. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was great. But I I gave it to him anyway, because, you know, like I'm trying to get the thing done, you know? Right, right. There is a optimization of time versus money. I don't know, Ben, pretty soon you're going to have like a case of Red Bull. You're going to have a bell. You're going to ring every time you get a sale. Oh, yeah, you need a bell and Red Bull. I need both those things. You need a little bullpen of one. Just right next to your product people, right next to your your covers, Definitely. you know? Yeah. What are some <laughs> other jerky sales guy metaphors that we can, or uh, uh, things that I can pull in here? Cliches. Oh, Suspenders? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. It's in the 80s now. <laughs> yeah. Wolf of Wall Street or something. Tyler Tringa said this to me at one point. He was saying, I wonder if, despite your intention to sort of go self-serve and like the, that kind of market, like you'll just find there's too much revenue in the enterprise stuff to, to not focus on that. And it's starting to feel that way a little bit like our bigger customers are paying us a lot more than our smaller customers some of the the sizes of the companies i'm talking to and the deals that could potentially come out of that it's like wow we could increase revenue by 20 percent by with this one deal um it's just like kind of too too much to ignore or to not take seriously yeah you seem to be moving these through the pipeline pretty quickly it seems like to me like a lot of the stories you hear about enterprise sales is that like (laughs) that you may end up with like a bunch of things in the pipeline that will close nine months from now. Like you, like typical traditional um, horror stories of enterprise sales and how they really don't align with bootstrapping because, because in the meantime, you need to somehow fund the business while you're waiting for all this business to come through, right? But I don't know, I'm, from, just from what you're reporting on this podcast, it seems like you've got a good like kind of flow of deals coming through that aren't taking too long. <laughs> it's not terrible. I do have one that I've been talking to someone since May mm-hmm. it's of last year. Okay. Uh, so it's, sometimes <laughs> they are going slowly. Yeah. For the most part, they're not too bad. You're, you're, you're right. Probably just varies from industry to industry and what type of product you're selling and the price point and all that. Um, mm-hmm. So The thing that slows it down is always their process. It's always the purchaser's like requirements and things they need filled out and oh, legal wants all these changes. Can you agree to this? And this negotiation and back and forth. And for the most part, you have like one decision maker you're trying to convince or are they kind of decision by committee going on on the other side? Uh, it's it's usually like we have like a someone that wants to buy it, someone high up in the engineering organization or, or not sometimes. And then they sort of grind into gear the purchasing process where it's like, all right, this person has decided we want to buy it. Okay, cool. I'm going to hand you off to procurement. And then it's like, okay, now we need to talk to legal and we need to get these things approved and also security or whatever wants to talk to you and all this stuff. It's kind of like the decision is more or less made and now we just need to like check all the boxes in the how we buy things. Yeah, yeah. The deals rarely die, it seems like. Like they mostly they mostly seem to close when the person has affirmatively decided like we want this for the team eventually it gets purchased it just takes it's a question of how long it takes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's probably one area where things could could get hung up if it's like all right we know we want to buy a tool like this but now like we're kind of having this bidding process where we're talking to a bunch of different vendors and trying to figure out who who should we buy from and it's a testament to the spot you've carved out in your niche where like you're kind of the only game in town really focused on this particular thing and people kind of fall in love with the the premise and what the way you're positioned you know and so getting like past that initial hurdle of like we're basically on board that we're going to buy this and now we just have to put it through the the gears of enterprise buying and all the crap that comes with that like yep it seems like a really 
it's a good spot to be in. Totally. Yeah. I'm super thankful for that. Yeah. Um, and like someone the other day w- with a, a very large company was just saying like, our CEO like is a big fan of pair programming. So we feel like we should have a great answer to that. It's just like, perfect. Convincing done. And the bottom up thing is also working pretty well, where it's like the a lot of the leads that we're, I'm talking to started and like they'll do a trial and they'll try for a while. And then often they'll cancel and then reach out and be like, hey, we tried it. We liked it. We want to buy it. I'm going to introduce you to whoever who handles buying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the trial is, is kind of working in that sense. Sometimes for it seems like these big companies, even if they have annoying purchasing processes, you can get like a you can just if you're not actually buying it, you can just use it without mm-hmm. permission. It seems mm-hmm. like. Yeah. How long has your trial been going now? The free trial? Uh, how long have we had trials? Uh, yeah. uh, a few months now. Okay. Do you feel like you're seeing results of that yet or too soon to, to kind of judge so the success? The, um, it seems like we're growing a little faster than before the trials. And like the month after we implemented it and it emailed everyone, like we got it. We had a huge month because there was like this pent up demand, I think, for you know, a trial that wasn't there. Other than that, it seems like it's kind. Of, we're kind of growing at roughly the same rate, so it's not 100 percent clear to me that it's like a total win from a how much do we grow each month question, but it does seem to have increased, like other things like this, like larger deal flow, where like getting money to pay for a trial is not a thing, but if you've tried it and then you like it, and there is a process for buying it. Yeah, yeah, planting the bottom up seeds essentially like and i wouldn't expect you to necessarily see like an instantaneous like now that the free trial is out now suddenly that has completely changed the the growth trajectory or something like it's i think that's kind of a longer term play right of getting people who are way not ready to buy yet but but further back in the in the process now getting to get their hands on it and play with it and and uh, totally yeah and it feels like the sort of word of mouth has picked up too. more people can touch it and try it and get exposed to it so we have people sign up and they try it like it was great i just uh, i'm not pairing enough or like you know we're gonna buy it later or something but to me that's actually still good that they they got to see it and experience it and might say nice things about it uh, the churn is higher as you might expect than like the the plans where there was not a free trial but i think it's okay also december for us was like not as nearly as good as november which i think is pretty normal because of holidays and whatnot i assume that's pretty standard pretty standard in my experience yep yeah well, I won't freak out then. No, don't freak out. And not just because I have no coffee anxiety. <laughs> right. I'm just now a calm monk. You're so chill. <laughs> so yeah. chill. Look at me. I know. I know. You can't see this, but I'm actually uh, cross-legged uh, and meditating and slowly <laughs> floating off the floor by several inches. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so what's going on with you? Um. Yeah. So I had a couple of thoughts. I wasn't sure on my retreat if i was going to come up with like a list of concrete goals for 2020 or if it was going to be more like kind of what i alluded to like what kind of habits do i want to cultivate i have like a few trends or a few themes at least for 2020 that i kind of aspire to so one is just like i want to try to exhibit more intentionality with the ways i'm spending my time if i think back like what is what have my average days looked like there's still been, even though I don't want it to be this way, there's still been a lot of like thrashing about a bit, like focus deeply on something. And then, you know, my dopamine addiction to Twitter just pulls me away and I start looking at something. And then there I am again in a uncontrolled medium where maybe I'm going to just dip my toe in a little bit to get a little bit of dopamine. And then before I know it, like I've seen something that 
causes me to be stressed or causes me to feel something that like I ideally would not have allowed into my you know mental state as I'm trying to forge on through the day right mm, um, totally I've probably mentioned this in years past of like a constant thing that I want to try to to refine but here I am again another year upon me and <laughs> still wanting to to get better at this and so I don't know exactly what it looks like I've the last couple of days I have been like actually blocking Twitter on my computer and I've taken it off my phone again because I want it to just become another thing like sort of like checking email or sort of like checking Slack. Like those things I've I've been better at cordoning off and saying like, I will only check this a few times during the day and it's not something I'm trying to look forward to necessarily. It's just something to do as a matter of just regular business activities, right? Twitter is so tricky for me. And I think you're probably in the same boat where it's like, it's both a social thing, a thing I, I enjoy and also like a, a heavy part of like, marketing and industry news like keeping up with what's happening right and so i don't know i want to try to keep keep searching for a way to still get like i want to know when things are happening in in the jamstack world or in the world of react development like things that are really pertinent to what i'm building um, like i want to see those things as they're happening in real time but at the same time i don't just want to be a slave to twitter you know um I don't really know the total solution to that. There are some Slack communities that I'm a part of that are kind of around this industry. And that's another source of like, it's less of a fire hose, but there's like, just like a links channel where there's like, oh, interesting things coming out of, you know, the, the Jamstack world or something. And so maybe it's like erring on the side of checking those things more regularly and not relying on Twitter necessarily to try to get that type of industry news, perhaps. I don't know. Have you thought about doing something more extreme? Like what? Uh, like giving your password to someone and like getting locked out of your account for most of the time. I haven't considered that particularly. I think with the um, like the self-control app and taking it off the phone, like I think I can keep myself blocked out of it adequately, but I still need to find that suitable replacement so that I can get the information that I want to get. You know what I mean? Interesting. With, are, are you sure there's that much good information that you need uh, like that you're that it's it needs to happen that fast or probably not no it doesn't need to happen that fast i'm yeah. trying to think of like how can i even how can i maybe check twitter once a week or something you know and right. um maybe that is fast enough but maybe there will be a lot of stuff missed too i don't know hmm. i'd be surprised if that if like a couple days here or there ever really made a difference yeah yeah probably wouldn't there's probably some like jamstack newsletter Mm -hmm. kind of thing mm -hmm. that you could subscribe to yeah i'm on a few of those or so to point uh, a monitor and be like hey if, mm -hmm. if anything really important happens <laughs> let me know yeah text me yeah yeah i've been toying with this idea of of locking myself out more of things so like i actually set a screen time thing up on my phone to like limit myself on twitter and things like that and then i like had joel set a password that i didn't know on it but there's just this override thing in ios it's just like no don't don't block it <laughs> and yeah. it's like yeah well this is stupid like if i had enough self-control to just not click the override button then right. i wouldn't need the the screen time in the first place this is completely useless yeah 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 all they're adding so. is one extra hurdle which i'm sure does i mean it it probably limits it works for some people like to not press the are you sure you want to violate the contract you set with yourself you know yeah exactly uh, and i'm like yes i do i want yeah. twitter give it to me <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um so that that did not work 
I want to look and see if there's like an app that will do this more aggressively or like some other like parental lock or something where it's like, you can't just say, no, show it to me. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what I want. Yeah. It takes self-control to do it. And I don't really want to spend self-control. Like I don't want to like, I don't, I don't want to deplete that resource. I want to just have it happen. It's like, oh, well, I've just decided once that I shouldn't do this. And so now I can't. Okay, fine. I'll go do yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Exhibiting self-control takes energy. That's a it's a good thing to recognize, right? Yeah, totally. And I want to yeah. spend that on other things and just like try to mechanically conserve it uh, or like prevent the, the need for it. But then there's also the like the desktop thing. So it's like, okay, cool. Let's say I come up with a, a completely effective phone strategy. Like now I have sort of the same problem on my laptop or iMac and things like that. Maybe there's apps there too. It's like, but I don't know. The, the thing that's appealing to me now is just like give the password away. Like give it to somebody and be like, lock me out until you know Friday. Or like twice a month, I will check in and respond to everybody or something. I don't know. It is tricky because it's like it's useful sometimes. Sometimes it's, it's, it, it provides value. The hard thing for me too is that I think a lot of my kind of strategy for keeping myself and what I'm working on in front of people has been the work in public thing and and sharing stuff regularly on Twitter. And, you know, as I've iterated on my landing page, I share stuff on there and I get feedback. And like there's... There are things that are seemingly useful about it, but I also question, is it worth the cost? (laughs) The cost to me is like every time I do something like that, share something, and especially if it's somewhat successful getting shared around, now that's usually all I can think about. Like I have this thing pulling on my head, like I keep wanting to check what's the latest that, you know, people have been saying or reacting or whatever. Yep. And I just don't know if it's worth it. Um, totally and if you had spent the time on that tweet instead like writing an email to everyone on your your mailing list like maybe that would have been better yeah writing an email composing a a a content pillar that will continue to drive seo and traffic and all that kind of stuff a lot of twitter still is vanity like there's just you share something and you get 40 likes and like probably a good chunk of those are just people who who like you and like what you put out and are just hitting a button, but it doesn't really actually mean that much. And I think it produces a false sense of like, um, it's just another false signal in the a sense false of, sense of like, yeah, false sense of like, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Many a business has been built without a strong Twitter presence. Um, and so yeah, I'm kind of questioning the whole, the whole model. And I think if I, I think it will leave a bit of a vacuum in my strategy. So I, so you know, if I'm trying to de-Twitterify my kind of marketing flywheels, like what other things am I putting in their place? And so that's giving me a lot of things to think about on, you know, if I'm all this time that I'm going to get back, if I'm not spending on Twitter, where can I invest that in a more, uh, <laughs> hopefully a more high leverage way? I think you can. Yeah, I think you can. Especially if you say like, okay, my limit is like, I don't know, once a week or something, I'll go on there and like, have a really excellent tweet thread or a promotional thing ready, like ready to already written. And then you just like, you know, you treat it as a, a medium you're posting into. That sounds like you could still get a lot of, a lot of the benefit without the negatives. Like this morning, the, th- the thing that gets me is it's not just that it's distracting, which it is, but it's also, despite my best efforts, I can't make it not stressful because they keep inserting controversial things into my timeline. So it's like I always unfollow people that like tweet negative things or things that like are just going to like work me up or something. And then like Twitter's just like, oh, guess what? Here's this controversial tweet. It's like, God damn, I, I'm trying to avoid this and they won't let me. Like, yeah, but we know you'll click on this. I know. I know. The, the yeah, putting things that a friend of yours has liked or a friend of a friend of yours has liked to retweet it. It's like, 
damn it. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of ruins it for me too. Because like friends of, yeah, like love doing, like I have friends that are really activist in certain ways or like really care about certain things. It's like, I can't have the things you care about also in here too, because I don't want that. Yeah. A long time ago, I unfollowed DHH. We still really like the guy. <laughs> I think he's got some interesting insights, but he's just too much of a shit kicker <laughs> for me. You know, I just can't, I can't like get worked up all the time about all the causes, right? Exactly. And yep. yet his stuff just continually flows into my timeline because the algorithm thinks that I would like it. And it's like, yes, I, I mean, yeah, I'm interested in some of this stuff, but I don't need it all the time. <laughs> so totally. And we need, I think we need a better strategy for, for me. It's, I have this like tick of just like, oh, like I run into a tiny roadblock. Uh, let me look at Twitter real quick. Yeah, me too. Same thing. And it just, it's like every time my brain is slightly challenged, like, oh, I don't know what to write here. I don't know what to say here. I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to make this decision. It's just like, uh, maybe I'll just look at Twitter for a minute and then come back to this. And it's like, that never helps. It never gets better. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably like thing number one that I'm really trying, habit I'm trying to kick is that, is that same impulse. Um, I block a bunch of stuff in my hosts file when I'm doing it right. And I have like a command that will just like copy in this host file that like blocks all the things that I look at. Um, and that is useful. But then eventually I'm always like, oh, well, I do actually need to go check Twitter for this thing. And I do like, and then it's like, okay. So I commented out and it's like, oh, now I'm back on the, back on the train. Yep. Yep. I saw Kitsa released a like write only Twitter client. Oh yeah. You know what yeah. I'm talking about? I've, I've seen it. I haven't checked it out, but yeah, I've seen, I kind mm-hmm. of it was like no timeline. It was like you get your mentions, I think, and you could, and DMs maybe, and you can tweet stuff, but you can't actually see a timeline, which sounds actually like what I want. Yeah. I've seen people do this too, where they like unfollow everybody. And so it's just, so if they want to read something, they just go, they just have to browse to their, to the profile to look at recent stuff. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I might try that. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a good trick. Although I feel like surely the algorithm will just be like oh here's 40 tweets that we found right, yeah they're, they're the wonder. most uh, controversial ones <laughs> yeah joy yeah yeah i've had some accounts that don't follow anything just random like business accounts and stuff and they twitter really doesn't like that they really want you to follow follow people <laughs> yeah that, yeah <sighs> all right well let's keep talking about this yeah yeah i think it's, and make no changes in our lives <laughs> right and right now i think it's really easy for me to like i came off this retreat i came off feeling just fed up with some of the some of the habits like the like the twitter impulse and so i think it's really easy for me right now to ride on that fed upness and and be like nope that's it i'm blocking it every day in my host file and it's off my phone and i've had a really productive few days like i'm getting in the zone i'm putting on the right music that i need to listen to and it's been great, but like, how can I keep this up? And that's the, you know, <laughs> we'll see. I'll continue to report back. Yeah. Uh, if people have a favorite, like, block on your phone and your desktop and, you know, some way to lock myself out of it so that I can't even override it, let me know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'd be interested. Yeah, totally. And then one more thing I had, I can't really, I'm not going to talk too many details at this point, but up at the cabin, I just had a lot of uh, just kind of, free time to let my mind wander and i think i i unlocked something product wise that i'm feeling really good about and that i'm kind of furiously implementing right now whoa nice yeah are you in the madness i am in the madness yeah i think i talked about how i was trying to do the right do like um deliberate api design around the payment stuff in static kit and like what's the right level of abstraction and and what's the best way to organize this and it just I think I was having such a hard time because I was trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Like it just didn't feel, it didn't feel right. It felt like I was hacking 
my own product from the get-go implementing this feature like like kind of shoehorning stuff in places where it didn't didn't really fit right and um, i also have had just kind of growing concerns around am i choosing the right abstractions and are people going to hit a wall if they if they choose static kit to to prototype a website really fast or something they want to get something done and they don't want to write back-end code so they decide to adopt static kit right but are they going to hit a wall as soon as they want to do something, something outside of the mold of what I offer? Like, like, does the product have the right escape hatches and does it allow you to enough flexibility to continue using the parts that I'm offering, the building blocks that I'm offering, but also like escape out of that when you need to and roll your own custom functionality so that it can kind of still be married with, with what you're doing. I don't know if that's really clear what I'm saying, but like, but I, it's been in the back of my mind, like, is this is this going to be a problem? And just trying to put myself in the position of someone buying this product and like, yeah, I think I would have concerns. I've built a few of these websites using a similar technology stack and I've run into a point where like, yeah, I could use static kit for this. But then as soon as I need to do X, Y, and Z, like I have to just abandon the product and roll it custom, roll my own custom backend. I think I've arrived at a solution to that problem, which I feel really good about. Yeah. I think it just kind of feels like dominoes are falling into place and the payment stuff I feel really pretty confident about now and so i can't wait to kind of hopefully release some of this stuff in january and start to start talking more details but nice i'm excited to hear what you're doing yeah so cool congrats on a successful retreat oh thank you yeah and it was it's just so funny like it's these kinds of these kinds of insights that you can't i still don't know if there's i don't think there is (laughs) like a methodology for arriving at at some of these insights like you they just they just come to you and all i could do is give space for it to happen <laughs> which is frustrating because i want a repeatable a scalable repeatable strategy for coming up with these good insights but like it just you can't um and yeah so, i don't think so either there again is the value of kind of stepping away it, it only happened after i stepped away from the laptop i stopped looking at screens i was just reading and hanging out and staring at a fire in the fireplace with my notebook in front of me and just kind of stream of consciousness jotting down ideas and then i'm like wait a second if i rename this domain model to this then that implies these other things and oh i could architect it this way and then it kind of spiraled from beautiful there's a a great talk that is the goal is i think to kind of create a framework for thinking about these things or coming up with these ideas uh, by rich hickey the creator of closure Mm, okay it's called hammock driven development Ooh. Where he has this process like of kind of like loading all the stuff into his brain and then like getting away from this, like just laying in the hammock, yeah, just like kind of hanging out and letting things flow and sleeping on it, and has a couple other tricks that I think seem to have worked well for him. Okay, I will definitely check that out. Yeah, cool, awesome. Well, uh, notes of the show. Notes for the show can be found at artofproductpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.